For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening, and that means leading the line from the front and wearing the captain's armband is Carl. So, Carl, how have you been since we spoke a week ago? Yeah, really good, Dan. Um, you know, think things keep moving in the right direction, don't they? So, I think it's all happy, all happy on our side, and looking forward to discussing a great win at the weekend. Absolutely. Not to mention, you are also joined by James, as always. So, James, how have you been, mate? Yeah, same. Not not too bad, uh, and a you know a really good performance this weekend. So. Can't wait to dissect that one. Fantastic. And also, making his return to the show tonight, and hopefully bring in the energy, is Patrick. So, Patrick, it's been a few weeks, but how have you been, my friend? Come on! I'm brilliant. After uh, Saturday's performance, I'm on top of the world. So, yeah, I'm feeling good. Let's go. Love to hear it. Right, before we do, let's get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect the last week and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Company Spurs app, where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at CIS underscore COM and we're on all the major audio platforms as Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let us know. We'll get it on there and we'll all be happy. Right, let's get down to business. And that business, Carl, is a 2-0 win over Manchester City that not only took us to the top of the league, but we're going to be there for the week. So, before we get into the detail, social media has been awash with triumphant comments but I get a sense from you that you want to temper that mood ever so slightly. Yeah, well, like as we say, Dan, you know, it's great that we're, we're where we are. Um, the only thing that I've kind of had a little bit of stick from from some friends who support other clubs. Um, and one thing that, yes, I kind of do think we just need to be a little bit careful of is getting overly excited about being top of the league after just only nine games of a season. Um, I think someone on Twitter, I think, put a tweet out. I don't know who it was. I just got this message from about three of my friends who support Chelsea, Arsenal, and it was someone saying, you know, all the success that Spurs have got this season is down to one man. And it was, uh, you know, someone holding a shirt up saying Don Levy. Um, And they all asked the same question, which was, well, what success have you had so far this season? Um, Because, yes, you're top, but we're eight games, you were nine games into a season. Um, And I do think it is something that it's great to be where we are. I'd rather be there than being down the bottom or so. But I just think, you know, a few people, you know, everyone's getting a bit keen screenshots of the league table every five minutes saying, look, we're top. But I think we should just remember it is nine games. So I would rather see us just stay, stay, stay level headed, stay calm. That's not start trying to you know, put ourselves out there on social media as getting too carried away because we all know that that could come back to bite us at some point. Um, So my only gripe was, you know, I'm happy where we are, but I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves and start crowing too much about being top at the moment because there's a lot of football to be played. uh, And as we know, we end up normally end up finding a way to make ourselves the laughing stock of London. So I think we just want to be careful of going too over the top this early. So James, now that Uncle Cole has had his say on the matter, uh, I, <laughs> sorry, but it's a screw. It's, it's coming out. It's, it's getting close to that time. <laughs> no, it's a fair comment. But with those said, James, 
can we draw a distinction between being top of the league and proclaiming we're going to win it? I think, is it just people are so happy that we are top of the league? Because it has been years in the making, really, hasn't it? Yeah, I think, look, I mean, we've all got to just, you know, live in the moment and, and, and enjoy it while it's lasting. Because I think we all, we've all got this kind of impending sense of doom that something is going to go wrong at some point and we are going to lose games that, that you know, we arguably should be winning and we're probably going to get knocked off top top spot at some point. But I think that, you know, if you lived football, if you lived your football in life like that, then you'd never be happy, really. So I'm, I'm personally, I'm, 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 I'm kind of with Carl. There's, there's no, there's nothing to, to really celebrate just yet. But the fact that we're top of the league, surely that's putting a smile on everyone's faces and, and, and really showing how far we've progressed in 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 a year really and uh, I think it's it's not just the fact that we're sitting top of the league it's the fact that we've we've really earned how we got there and we've played well getting there we we arguably should be should be you know further away at the top of the league as well with with some dodgy decisions that have gone against us you think you know West Ham game especially the Newcastle game so we, in reality we deserve to be to, to be exactly there and, and if not further away um, so yeah, let's let's just enjoy it while it lasts. And, and as I say, I think it's the the way that we've got there because that's a that's a brilliant performance this weekend, and and the the reward for that is going top of the table and 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 rightly so because it you know barring any horrendous injuries or or, or something going really badly wrong, you can you can see us picking up some some good points this season and and hopefully you know the the form won't dip and and we, if we can beat Man City, you'd like to think that we could beat some of the best teams in the league. So yeah, I think we, we just need to enjoy it while it lasts and, and personally I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna milk this week a little bit even if uh, even if old Scrooge Carl isn't gonna isn't gonna let us. Well I think, you know, even on a, a basic level all, all things lockdown and COVID, it's just nice to have something to look forward to at the end of the week. Like no one's had a great week. It's just been by the numbers and, you know, dare I say people have had a shit week. So for your team to be top like you say, James, enjoy it because you might not be top next week. So I think we're right. Don't be popping the champagne corks just yet. But I think we can at least have a smile on our face about that. With that said, Patrick, I think it was you on your last appearance. Apologies if it wasn't. But you were sort of referencing that you prefer Tottenham to be the underdogs in all of this. Has that mindset changed? Or would you rather we find our legs at the end rather than shooting our bolt too early? Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was me that said that. And I do prefer the underdog status because once the pressure comes on us and everyone's talking us up, saying that we're, you know, contenders and we're going to do X, Y and Z, um, that's when you really get everyone gunning for you. So I'd like to go under the radar as much as we can do, which I don't think is going to be possible, to be fair, with Jose and the way that we're playing. Rightfully so, we're going to get, you know, all eyes on us. But I would say to Carl, don't let the killjoys kill your joy because, like... um, like James is saying, enjoy it, ride the wave, enjoy the moment, because, you know, we don't know when this was, is going to happen again. And whilst we're playing brilliant football, I'm going to lap it up and, and, and enjoy and relish what, what we're doing. So, Carl, whether we should be proclaiming ourselves as champions-elect or not, we can argue that. But I think we can all agree on that um, momentum, and this is also something that squad member Holes chipped in with on Twitter earlier, so thank you for this, but... Beating Man City, it's the perfect start for a difficult set of fixtures because what better way to navigate through those choppy waters than striking off the first victory? Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, we all knew this this run of games was really going to define potentially or, or really tell us where we were in the mix, wasn't it? You know, because I, I wouldn't say, we, you know, I think we've done well leading up to this. 
Um, you know, we've played some decent sides. You know, we've beaten United. Uh, we went to Southampton and got a result. Who and who no, you know, pushovers this season. Um, but there were still some people sort of saying, well, you know, yeah, you've still got some of the better sides to play. Um, and uh, we knew this run of fixtures was going to be where we could really tell. And you can start off with the probably you know, if not one of the second hardest fixtures you'll face this season um, against Man City, who everyone thinks, you know, it's between them and Liverpool for the title. Um, so, yeah, I think we all went into it thinking, well, you know, we'll really find out where we are here because we're either put up a really good fight or if we get brushed aside easily, then you start to think, oh, OK, maybe we've got a little bit ahead of ourselves. Um, so to win that game the way we did, um, and in the end, make it a comfortable victory. Um, I think you have to say that gets the momentum going and it should make you believe now that the next set of fixtures we've got, you don't actually fear going into those games because you're sitting there thinking, well, hang on, we've, we've just beaten probably the best team, one of the best teams we'll come up against. So now, you know, none of these next teams should should really be scaring us um i don't consider arsenal at home a team that scare me to be honest i think the toughest one that's coming next is, is the game against chelsea um away and i think we've set ourselves up nicely for that game with this win and again i think now we can really go and kind of set a marker if we actually go and get a result at stamford bridge because if we can do that then you suddenly do start to believe that maybe jose has got a side here and can get a side plan the way it needs to, to do what it needs to, to be in that title shout come the end of the season. So James, West Ham and Newcastle, I promise this is going to be the last time I mention them, but people are still moaning about four drop points. That's fair enough, but you have to also remember that all relative results, you know, they, all, they don't balance each other out, but they all have a sort of a habit of interlinking with each other. So if we do win the league, you only need to be one point higher or even just a better goal difference than your very nearest rivals. Which means, should we scoop the title, no one's going to go, oh, but do you know what, if only we won it by four more points. With that said, should we just be looking forward now and worry not about those early blemishes, but what actually is going to be on the horizon? I think the, the worry is that on the flip side of that, Dan, if, if we miss out on the title by two points or by a point, then, then they're the games that we're going to be looking back on and, and thinking, well, we either got done over by the referee or we either, we either you know, slacked off in the last minute. And, and they're the points that, that cost us. So, yeah, you're absolutely right in saying that that could be the point that wins us the league, but it also could be the, the two points drop that lose it for us. So, at, at this point, it's, you know, we can't really tell, but it, it's frustrating that, that we could be even further away at, at the top of the table because, you know, we are where we are. We, we deserve to be where we are, I think. Uh, and, and it's just, you know, that niggling bit of doubt in the back of your mind that, you know, Liverpool, they're, they're still playing well, even though even though they've got a lot of players out injured. You think maybe this is their bit of bad luck and then the rest of the season they're, they're going to get all the luck. And, you know, we've had some bad luck in the games in the games leading up to, to, to the City game. And, and I think we're, we're due a bit of luck and we're due for it to for everything to fall into place because of the luck we've had with injuries and, and things the last couple of seasons. So I think we, we deserve to be where we are. And, and, and yeah, if, if we are going to keep thinking back to the points that we've dropped, then it is going to be frustrating. But you're right in saying that, that the best thing that we can do is, is look forward and, and try and pick up points that, that necessarily we weren't expected to get. Because let's face it, we were expected to beat Newcastle. We were expected to beat West Ham. 
if we if we say we're not we weren't expected to beat Man City, we're not expected to beat Chelsea, we're not expected to beat Liverpool. If we pick up points in those games, then we can you know we can say that, that the season's levelled out and and we deserve to be where we are at the top of the table. Um, we, we're not going to know until the end of the season, but it's, you're certainly going to be. We're all going to be a little bit upset if uh, if it is that Eric Dyer handball against Newcastle, for instance, that that actually uh, actually means that we don't win the title because because that will be you know just not fair because you know by by that time it will be you'd like to think it will have leveled out, um, but that's you know that's that's not how it works sometimes. But you know as I say, we're never going to know until the end of the season. Well, let me frame it a different way because I thought that might be your answer. That really the narrative is that a team never really loses the league until the last couple of games of the season. If we take Liverpool drawing at Crystal Palace 3 all, you know, that was defined as the game that lost them the league title that season and the Gerrard slip. So is it because the games are so early that in a sense they'll probably, well, they'll never be forgotten, but they're not necessarily going to be the defining moments that win you or lose you a league title? Yeah, I mean, if, if, if say, we, we go and bottle it on the, on the last day of the season, then then you'll think it'll be that performance. But really... You know we've we've got the opportunity to be further away at the top of the table right now. So yeah, you're right in saying everyone thinks about that that Crystal Palace game for Liverpool when they didn't win the league and uh, and the slip as well. But with you know, in all fairness, they probably should have had the league wrapped up before that. It's the same with the relegated teams. You know, when when they start when they start losing games towards the end of the season, they're the games that you remember. And and when really there's there's probably a point or or three that they should have picked up in earlier on in the season, but it gets forgotten about. Um, you know, in this context, we're still talking about those games because of how just how unlucky we were to to lose them. You know that well to to draw them. Sorry. Um, you know that Lanzini goal that that doesn't go in ninety nine times out of a hundred. Uh, the Eric Dyer decision—that's that's another absolutely baffling decision that that 99 times out of 100 you don't see. So that's the reason we're talking about them. And and if we're still talking about them come the end of the season, then you know why. That's because that's because there's such anomalies in in what will have been a great season. Um, but but you're absolutely right, Dan. Hopefully we can if we just get our heads down and look forward and and win every game to the end of the season, then we should have nothing to worry about, right? Absolutely, and it's all conjecture, so let's focus on things that actually happened. And Patrick, we've got a listener's question, it's from Dreads on Twitter. He asks that people were saying that we weren't playing attractive football under Jose on Saturday, despite being under fire for the majority of the game. For him, he found it just as entertaining as when playing under Poch. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought we played it. I thought we played entertaining football. It was, it was a, a really entertaining game because it was a contrast of styles. So it was, you know, you had like your Southpaw against your Orthodox boxer. And they, you know, they had all of the ball. We soaked up the pressure. I don't really remember us being under too much. You know, I was never at the edge of my seat worried that, you know, or our goalkeeper wasn't peppered, so to speak. Other than Hugo Lloris making that save at the end of the game from the header, I don't really remember Lloris being under pressure as well. So we defended great, especially when they got near our box. And then literally we picked them off on the counter every single time. Uh, if if our Sonny would have shot, it could have even been three 0 So just a bit, a bit more clinical preciseness, we could have scored a few more goals. So I thought we played really well, and I thought it was entertaining to watch. And we looked deadly and lethal every time we went forward. These this was going to be the next point to Carl because I thought it was also entertaining, especially in the first half. Contrasting styles, as Patrick says, and I think if you take away the the Tottenham lens of the game, which obviously run a Tottenham podcast, but if we try and be subjective, you kind of forget at times that football is 
really pure entertainment. That's what it should be, and not just something that we're so invested in that we'll watch anything. So, styles or not, or you know, parking the bus or whatever mantra you want to use, it was an entertaining 45 minutes to start with. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I don't think the neutral could could complain. You know, you had one one side set up to try and nick a goal on the break. Another side that's just pure football, um, wanting to try and work the ball into the box and some great players. Um, and and it was. The first half was packed with some action. Um, so, yeah, the neutral couldn't moan. Um, I, I actually didn't think, you know, I, I was actually reasonably worried in the game at times because, you know, we we had we got the goal nice and early, which was great. But then I just felt we kind of, not that I'm saying we, I want to see us go and attack City. The one thing that was worrying me in the game was when we did get the ball at certain times, I just don't think we were good enough with it um, in terms of keeping it and holding it. You know, we, we I felt there was long periods of that game where, you know, you suddenly looked looked up and we'd got the ball. And if you looked away and looked back up, suddenly City were back on the edge of our area. So I, I did think, you know, there were times where we could possibly have been a little bit better when we had the ball and you were looking for the likes of, you know, Son, Bergvine and Kane to hold it up. I thought Kane was doing his best to hold it up. I still feel one thing that the likes of Son and Bergvine are going to need to improve on is, you know, how they can actually get hold of the ball at times and keep it a little bit more, even if that is just running it into the other half you know, almost in like take it to the corner flag and at least buy you some time to kind of regroup. Because the one thing that was worrying me and I thought at half time was it's great. We've got to half time at one nil. But if we don't start keeping hold of the ball a little bit more, then how much longer can we kind of sustain the pressure that we're under? Um, because, you know, sometimes you do at least need three or four minutes where your forward man, forward men might be keeping it so you can just regroup kind of, you know, have a little bit of a breather. And I didn't think that was happening enough in the first half, especially, you know, we were just kind of giving the ball straight back to them almost. But in the second half, we really kind of, you know, we, we were doing so much better with the ball. And as I say, especially Harry Kane, who was just immense, and I'm sure we'll get to that. But as you say, from a, from a spectator's point of view, even a neutral, that was an entertaining game of football to watch, that's for sure. So, James, if you take Cole's point that perhaps Tottenham made life harder than it needed to be, should we still be commending them for their efforts? Because obviously, you know, you can do the bad things, as Cole suggested, and it costs you points. You know, you might not even get anything out of it. It might be a 2-0 reverse. So, although it wasn't the prettiest or the best in terms of actual functionality, players still actually did their most important roles. Yeah, I think I, I can. I kind of understand where Carl's going. I mean, I was similar at, at half time when when we went in at one 0 up. I thought this is going to be very similar to to that Man United game um, that finished one one at, 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 at White Hart Lane. Was I just thought we're going to score, and then we're going to literally sit back until City score, and then and then we're going to have to try and go again. Um, when in reality, I think it just goes to show how far we've come as, as a defensive unit and, and you know the job that Hoiberg has, has actually been playing. Um, in that, I think we we didn't lose our concentration at all defensively, which was was really important. I think in in games gone by where we have done that whole score a goal and then try and defend the one nil lead, that that obviously gets gets tiring for the defenders and it means that they lose their concentration and we eventually do concede that equaliser. 
Whereas, whereas in this game, we, I, I honestly don't think we, we even looked like conceding for, for massive, massive parts of the game. Uh, we looked completely in control, and, and yeah, we were happy to let City have, have quite a lot of the ball because they, they, our, our midfield and our defence were, were working so hard to, to keep them out. Um, and I, 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 to be honest, it's it's actually the first time in in a good couple of years that I've actually bet on Spurs to win a game long before the game even kicked off because I I just had a, a confidence that we were going to be able to take that, keep their attack at bay and and you know for a fact that Son and Kane combining running in behind they they were always going to get goals in that game so I think it, personally I think it, it, it was as close to a perfect performance as you can get because if you do go to against Man City and play this expansive football then we're just going to get beat. So rather than playing them at our own game, we we were really compact and really really good off the ball, and and I think it's kind of gone under the radar that that we defended that well for so long, and in in games that we we would have lost concentration and conceded a goal, we we didn't until the very very last minute of the game, uh, from from start to finish, that everyone on the park kept kept their kept their heads and and didn't do anything silly. Which, which is a strange thing to say, but when you've got players like Aurier and, and Sissoko on the pitch, you're expecting something a bit off the cuff. But, but even players like that, they, they stuck to their jobs. They, they kept their concentration and, and argue, we, we got what we deserved in the end and no one could argue against that. Patrick, people have certainly been arguing about the playing style on Saturday, but you know, if we go gung-ho, we lose 3-0, there's going to be more complaints, isn't there? Exactly. You can't win sometimes, can you? You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. If we try and go toe-to-toe with City, we're going to get played off the park. I mean, the the quality and 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 the depth that they have in that squad is immense. I mean, you look at our squad and we, you can see that we have got quality and depth, but theirs is is like ten times the level of ours in terms of their midfield technicians. They're just runners off the pitch. So we had to obviously play to our strengths and we had to have a game plan which we stuck to, and um, we were immense. Aurier didn't make a mistake. Suzoko was brilliant. Hoiberg just cleaned up everything. Uh, Regalon was fantastic. Other than Regalon getting barged off the ball once or twice, he definitely needs to get a bit stronger. He was immense. No one had a, everyone had an eight or nine out of ten uh, performance. And yeah, we stuck to our game plan and we did what we needed to do. We nullified them. They didn't uh, like like uh, James was saying. I wasn't at, at all worried at once in that game. Um, so we nullified them and then we obviously picked them off uh, when we needed to. So for me, it was a brilliant performance. And Carl, it's just more than a year since Mourinho took over from Poch. So 14th in the league when he takes over. We're now top. That transformation's been a bit quicker than everyone expected, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously he took he took over a decent squad. But then obviously the, I think the thing that's really helped us, isn't it? Um, and we've said it before, haven't we? When you look at that first game uh, and... I think we all have to kind of like, you know, that there's a time to criticise and a time to actually kind of hold your, hold your hands up and say, no, well, you can't argue. And that is the job done in the transfer window by the board and, and the club. Um, because obviously, you know, after that first game, we were all sitting there thinking, oh, this could be a really long season if, it, if it's going to go like this. Um, and then we suddenly went into action, you know, and, and we buy the players that we need. You know, we get the backup striker, we get Bow, we get Regulon. Um, and suddenly it looks a completely different squad. Um, that probably also brings a bit of a buzz around it as well, which picks everyone up. 
and then suddenly now you're sitting there thinking, well, the manager has got options. He's got players in all positions. He knows he can rest people. He knows he's got winners that can come off the bench and suddenly change a game in an instant when it's not going right. All those things, put all those things in the mix and a very clever manager. And you suddenly start going, well, yeah, you know, we now can start to go places. Um, and Jose has done his job well. And, and like we say, yesterday's was the perfect sort of example because as we say i'm not saying we should be going toe to toe with city not at all i think we can do better when we've got the ball and we did yes i think we do given the players that we got and the disallowed goal was a perfect example of that because we knocked that ball around so nicely and i just think we could have tried to do that a bit more yesterday i'm not saying we go gun ho but we try to be a bit more controlled in possession but We've always said about performances, haven't we? I don't mind winning ugly or what some people might consider as playing negatively against the likes of Man City, Man United, Chelsea. Bring it on for me. Um, I want to see us a bit more adventurous when we play, say, Brighton at home. But this is what Jose can do, can't he? These tight games, he can get that result and he can put that sort of performance out. And I think it does show that, yeah, so far in that year, he hasn't made decisions that everyone likes, you know, but it looks like at the moment he's got everything going in the right direction and he's got a bit of a buzz going in that squad. Um, so he has to take a lot of credit at that. But like I say, I hold my hands up because we've criticised him enough. But so did the board for giving him the tools to do the job. Well, you mentioned about playing styles and that's exactly my notes that against the likes of Man City, you do what you have to need to do to win. You know, if it is ugly, so be it. As long as the points are in the bank, absolutely fine. It's when you are playing ugly against the likes of Bournemouth for the tail end of last season, you think, what is this tripe? You know, that's when you sort of think, we've got it a bit wrong. So there's no one-size-fits-all approach, because otherwise you are going to lose more than you win, because it's just not tailored to each match. So you have to sort of change your approach, and when it works, it's brilliant. And because of contrasting styles, James, you'd have to say it was a Mourinho masterclass on Saturday. No better start than going ahead in five minutes. Sometimes you can say, oh, I hope we haven't scored too early. But thankfully, that wasn't the case. And I know some got the goal, but really, credit has to go to Undumbele with the see you later swivel and pass. Yeah, and I think if, if you actually look back at it and, and tactically analyse that, it's an absolute mess from Man City, but it's, it's, it's typical Tottenham of, of this season anyway. I think if City, you know, have, have actually been doing their homework, they'd, they'd have known that that's exactly what we were going to do all day long. Uh, I, I don't think Ndombele has, has, has made a backwards pass all season. So I think the fact that all three of them went charging to, to block off the backwards pass. And then Harry Kane, you know, it's almost instinctive for him now that if he drops deep, then Sonny's gone long. And, and in, all, in all fairness, it, it, we made it look easy when it wasn't an easy goal. But that, that, that's what we've been doing to teams all season. And you'd expect that City had... Maybe we'll have sat down in the classroom some, a couple of days before and that's the kind of thing that they would have been told to watch out for. And, and yet we still managed to pick the lock and credit Sonny, it's still needed finishing. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a good finish from him and you're right, you know, we, we say sometimes that we scored too early but I, I was glad that we, you know, it was first, first blood Tottenham um, because, it, you know, the longer that game goes on nil-nil, maybe the, the more the more expansive we have to get. Uh, and then that leaves gaps in behind for City. So I think it played right into our hands that, that we scored first because it meant that we we were able to to frustrate them and, and kind of sit sit back and, and soak up the pressure for a little while. 
and then uh, and then and then we were able to kill the game. But that that first goal was yeah was absolutely fantastic. I think there's very few players in the in the league who who have have you know who have the vision of of Endombele and and are able to execute a pass like that. It was beautifully weighted. Uh, and and the, you know the three of them uh, have, have combined again to, to to produce what what was a, a really great goal and great a, a great performance. So yeah, I mean, brilliant goal and brilliant performance. Patrick, as Cole just mentioned, we did have the ball in the net again before the interval. Unfortunately, rolled out for offside. But the kind of football that was on show there was an absolute joy to behold. And if you're slicing a team like Man City open, even with all their early season faults, that bodes well for the weeks to come. Yeah, definitely. That was scintillating football. That was I was on the edge of my seat when we did that. And obviously Kane just straight offside. Um, a few of my friends were saying that Sonny should have shot, but I thought he did the right thing. Yeah. It was just that Kane's timing was just a bit off. That would have been one of the goals of the season. And especially to do it to a to an opposition, you know, with the calibre of Man City. It just goes to show when we're when we're on form and when we're firing, we can cut or carve open anyone. So yeah, I loved it. I loved watching us play. Um, obviously, I'd like more of the ball. Of course, who wouldn't? But we've been that team that have had the ball for 80%, 60%, and not look dangerous. So I don't mind doing this if it's going to get us where we need to get to. So it's also looking at and thinking about the bigger picture. Absolutely. And Carl, we need to talk about Harry Kane. But do we talk about Kane, the attacker, the midfielder, or the defender? Because I referenced on Twitter after the game, for those who didn't see... The parallel of performance was just as like um, Drogba's murder of Philip Sendros at Stamford Bridge years ago. I don't think I've seen a centre-back bullied as much as that in 90 minutes. It was an absolutely stunning performance all over the pitch. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I think we should just talk about Kane, you know, yeah. the, one of the best strikers in, in world football um, at the moment. Um, and, I, and I, you know... That that's not one of the best. He he is the best. Well, he right is now. the best. He yeah, is. I would yeah. say. You know, the only <laughs> other the only other player to me that's on par is Lewandowski. Yeah. Um, and that for me, if you're looking just for strikers, if you're one of the biggest clubs in the world, you're only after you know two men. That's Lewandowski or Kane, um, because they are the best. And Kane, for me, given his passing and everything he can do. You know, it's just silly when people try to, you know, we've had this the last few weeks, haven't we, Dan, with people trying to sort of like find a way to criticise him or come up with silly reasons as to like, oh, you know, is he that great? Um, you know, he's coming for a lot of stick, you know, as we've seen, you know, reporters trying to, you know, out him or, or just get, you know, try to sort of like wind him up and that. And I, I just don't get why people can't appreciate the player that he is and actually admit, listen, you're watching one of the world's best at the moment when you watch this guy, because that is what he is, you know. And, and everyone should be able to sit back and admire, you know. We, we don't constantly go around slaughtering Kevin De Bruyne, because I think there's not a fan alive that can't actually look at him and realise there's probably one of the best midfielders in the world. Um, and you can sit there and go, yeah, he is great. Unfortunately, he doesn't play for me, but he's great. And I don't see how anyone can't sit there and look at Kane and go, wow, what a player that man is. And that performance at the weekend for me was just another now in the coffin for any of those doubters. Because as you say, Dan, he didn't just batter a centre-half. He battered a whole team by the end of the game. You know, the one clip right near the end when he gets the ball on the far side of the pitch and just starts running up the line. And you actually see the Man City defenders just give up trying to chase him eventually because they just go, I just, we just can't get near him. Let's just stop trying to catch him because you can't. 
And that was the sort of performance that he put in. And not just yesterday. He's done that all season with his passing, you know, his hold-up play, his goals. Um, the guy is just a phenomenon. And people should just appreciate him more than what they do. Because you're, every time you get to watch Kane, you should think yourself lucky. Because he is our generation's Greaves, um, Hoddle, all those players wrapped into one. He's got everything. Yeah, he's amazing. And, and Gary Neville said it best. Gary Neville said, oh, look at him. He's toying with them. They can't get near him. Like, even Gary Neville and Carragher just said, no, this guy's he is, he is legit. Um, yeah, phenomenal. Absolutely. And also, when you compare his age to Lewandowski, he's arguably, arguably got a ceiling to still reach. So, dare I say, he can only get better, which is even more scary. And I think, to be honest, that's all the Harry Kane for this week because there's so much to talk about. Not to do him a disservice, but... He's going to have many other incredulous performances this season and it's a topic we can easily return to. So with that in mind, James, bullying again. Pierre-Emil Hoiberg was industrious in the middle of the park and if you're looking for a bit of Viking spirit in the team, you cannot look any further than our Danish midfielder. Yeah, and, and we've been absolutely crying out for a player like this for years. Um, ever, ever since you know Victor Wanyama, his injury troubles, and he came out of the side. I think we've needed a player like that to to kind of unlock the potential of our attacking players, and you know, not only does it does he win the seem to win the ball back every couple of minutes, but he's also really tidy on the ball as well, and he he doesn't over you know he doesn't outdo himself. He doesn't try and play passes that he knows he can't play. You know, whenever he gets the ball, he's he always seems to at the moment he seems to pick the right option, which which is you know very rare in a footballer at the moment. You, you might see. A player in his role, try, trying to spray forty-yard passes, trying to trying to hit the striker over the top, but often, you know, he always picks the right the the, the right option. I, and as I say, I, I've never seen a player win the ball back so many times, and it's and it's noticeable how many times he wins the ball back. You, you just can't believe it sometimes. He's, you know, he's 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 won the ball back again. We're on the attack again, and it's all because of because of Hoiberg. An absolutely brilliant player, and and my only worry is, you know, hopefully you can stay injury free because I don't think we've got anyone else in the squad who can who can replicate the job that he does. Um, but you know, remaining positive, what what a footballer we've got on our hands here, and and if if he if we do have a successful season, and and say we do get top four, we do win the league, I think he he's got to be up there with with one of the bargains of the season. To be fair, Patrick, I think I could find compliments for every Tottenham player on the pitch, even Moussa Sissoko on Saturday. But we'll give props to Serge Aurier in this one because after that performance, he would have given Mourinho a selection headache once Doherty returns from COVID. Oh, no doubt. I do think he is our first choice right back now. I mean, he's done no wrong since he's come in. I mean, against uh, Manchester United, he was fantastic. And today, sorry, on Saturday, his performance defensively was, um, yeah, it was impeccable. He um he stuck to his task. I mean, yes, once or twice Suzuko did bail him out, but the guy did a job. Um, and he did a yeah he did a great job. Uh, I have no complaints with him, and I've been one of his biggest uh, critics and was screaming for him to be out of the club and sold, you know, last season and the season before. But this year, I'm loving what I see. And to be honest, when I see his name on the team sheet, actually, yeah, I'm I'm happy to see his name there now. So it just goes to show the the turnaround of him. So, Carl, we didn't have it all our own way in the first half. Far from it. There was an element of kitchen sink at times. And our resolve was technically broken when Laporte slammed the ball home. However, it was eventually ruled out due to a handball. Did Mike Dean and VAR make the right decision? 
Yeah, I think so. I, I was a little bit surprised that City seemed to be complaining as much as they did, um, given the new handball rules that are in. Um, because for, for me, I think it's quite clear that when that ball, you know, Jesus, it's quite clear that there's a mixture of hand and knee that kind of help him control that ball um, and keep it in play. So they will obviously feel aggrieved because they were just getting frustrated in the game, weren't they? And I think for them, I think they knew that that equaliser was probably then the goal that changes the game. And probably, you know, who knows from that point if they get that equaliser, where the game goes. Um, so I think they knew that was kind of like their one chance. And hence, there's, you know, there's such levels of frustration that they seem to be showing. But in all honesty, I'm pretty sure if that had been up the other end and it had been Son or someone like that scoring that goal, they would have also been claiming handball and they would have felt that was a good decision. So for me, I thought that was pretty clear. And James, whether it was by accident or design, we had a super sub in a Celso. 30 seconds or so after coming on in the second half, he wraps up the game. So in terms of an impact sub, they don't get much more important than that, do they? Yeah, and I think that, that'll do his confidence the world of good. Obviously, he has, hasn't been too fit so far this season, but you know, we, we saw he got a couple of assists, couple of assists uh, on international duty and, and now he's, he's chipped in with a goal. He's, he's really proving that he can contribute in terms of, uh, in, terms of in front of goal as, as well as you know, just, just being a creator. So I, I think the, the, the future, and you know, we touched on it earlier about, uh, about Jose needing more than one system, I think if we're if we're going to play that way against teams like Man City, and hopefully that's how we play again against Liverpool and Chelsea, we also need a way of playing against uh, against the, the lower league teams. You know, you, like you said, like Brighton. And I think surely the the way forward is is, is swapping out Musa Sissoko for someone like Lacelso, uh, and and you know just going a little bit more gung ho, a little bit more attacking because we're going to have a lot more of the ball. And players like Lacelso, they're they're there to pick locks, and and if we are going to play against a team who, uh, who are, who are putting the the brick wall up in front of us, we're going to need players like him with a little bit more subtlety than than someone like Sissoko. So I, I think Gio being fit and ready to play is something that that's going to be really important for us, uh, and hopefully we do get to see Gio and 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 Don Belli on the on the pitch at the same time at some point. Um, I think that obviously relies on on Bele's fitness uh, and Nacelso's fitness as well. Um, but you know, every, everyone knows that that's that's kind of the end goal that, that we want to be able to get them two into a, into a game together. Um, but yeah, in terms of a cameo, you, you can't you can't go wrong because you know I, if if Ndombele's on the pitch, I know for a fact he's not making that same run that Nacelso was going has made. So. Um, so a bit of a masterclass there from, from Jose. And, and do you know what? Not a bad finish from myself, so either. Cole, talking of Ndumbele, we spoke about Van der Vaart last week and how he'd have a game won by the hour so he could come off. Do you think Ndumbele will play a similar role? Now, I'm not suggesting they're sort of two carbon copies in terms of playing styles, but he'll give you a solid 60 minutes and then Lacelso comes on and does the rest. Yeah, well, I think Ndombele, for me, is is probably the most direct player and, and the player we've got who's always looking for that creative forward pass, isn't he? Um, you do get the impression, you know, I, I still find it funny because when I still watch him going around the pitch and the way he moves, he still looks knackered after about five minutes <laughs> um, and dead and blowing. Um 
But he seems, I think he's found a level this season, hasn't he? You know, he's clearly got himself down. He's clearly got his fitness up. We saw flashes last season where you thought, yes, you know, this guy has got something about him. And I think we're finally seeing that this season. So I think we have to be careful with him. It might be, as you say, we've got another player that, you know, yeah, he's not going to last the 90 minutes. But if he can start, as you say, Dan, becoming that player that within 65, 70 minutes has done enough to help you win the game and now you're just in kind of see-it-out mode, then for me, he could take us really far this season. And obviously, right now, he is one of the first names on the team sheet for me in the centre of that pitch because he has got that ability to hold the ball, drop a shoulder, lose a man, spot a pass, uh, and he's always willing to try that. So he, you've got to give credit to him because I think we all thought his time was done, to be honest, last season. You know, none of us thought Jose fancied him. Um, we couldn't see him, you know, even potentially featuring that much this season. So the turnaround has been amazing. So we have to give him some real credit for that because a lot of that has obviously come from himself, picking himself up and getting himself in the right frame of mind and doing what he needs to. And Patrick, unfortunately, the perfect win eluded us because we got an injury to Toby. So it's hard to say exactly how long he'll be out for, but assume quite a while. The big question is, has Joe Roden pushed in front of the defensive queue past Davinson Sanchez? Oh, that's a really good question. And to be honest, I can't really answer that right now because none of us know. I mean, what I would like to see is um, Davinson Sanchez and Tanganga in the Europa League uh, team starting on Thursday. And then whoever plays the best out of those two guys, hopefully will partner with Dyer. I don't know. I mean, with Roden, I haven't seen enough of him. But to throw him in the deep end away, uh, you know, uh, Chelsea, Stamford Bridge, that's a bit of a tough ask for, for a brand new player. Um, so I'm not sure that would be the, the ideal, you know, test for him. So I'd like to see, hopefully, Tanganga with um, Dyer on, on, on Sunday or possibly Sanchez if he gets that shakiness out of him. Um, but yeah, Joe Roden just for, for 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 this weekend's game, I think it's a bit it's a, it's a it's a tough task and maybe a game too early for him. Do you know what I think he's pushed in front of the queue because otherwise, why would he be coming on against Man City? I think Sanchez post West Ham has been out of favour, and I think once Mourinho has his natural pecking order, that's not to say he's going to be sold or he's out the door in January. But I think once you sort of make a mistake and you've shit the bed, it's very hard to then get back into the fold straight away. So I think the fact that he was bloodied against Man City might bode well for him for Sunday and away, yes, but no fans. So whether that makes too much of a difference, I don't know. But of course, you know, I could be wrong also. So I'll be interested to see what happens at the weekend. But I'll stay with you, Patrick, because you mentioned Hugo Norris and that late save earlier in the show. So, you know, it's 2-0, but if that's 2-1, you never know. The house of cards could collapse again. So an important save, but again, an important performance overall. Oh, important. And, and if you know it, since the West Ham game, I think we've kept three or four clean sheets in a row. Um, and even against, I believe, what was it? There was a there was a game where um, Hoiberg got fouled and the gate the the goal sh- we should have right. had the foul and they scored. Yeah, that's it. So it would have been another clean sheet as well. But Hugo Lloris has been immense this year and off the back end of last year since he came back from the injury. You can definitely see he's up to his levels, and I think that's again to do with Jose. Uh, Jose not standing for for any rubbish and just making sure all the players are on the same wavelength or team sheet. And uh, yeah, I mean to pull that save off from a point-blank header, right at the debt. It just goes to show that, you know, he's switched on, he's ready, he's alert, and he's, um yeah, he's leading from the back. 
because I watched the game with no um with no sound, with no fan noise, because I really wanted to hear everything and be in the thick of action. And you could hear him barking and commanding the players from from you know minute one, telling them where to go, telling them to push up, telling them yeah, he he is a great captain and um he he's bang on form at the moment. Carl, we've got another question now, and it's from our good friend Matthew Baldwin. So he asked whether Bale will make enough performances to earn a Premier League winner's medal. Now, knowing Matthew, this might be a bit tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> but has he, got, yeah. has he got a point or two? Brilliant. Uh, let's hope he can get his kazoo out, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he will. Of course he will. Um, I, I think Jose is going to be very sensible with Bale. You know, I, I think we know he played for Wales in the week. Um, and I think we know, you know, we, we don't want to try and sort of rush, rush him or risk any any sort of possible fatigue that then could cause an injury. I also think he probably felt that he might need someone a little bit quicker on the break than what Bell might have been. So I think Jose is going to be very clever with how he uses Gareth this season. Because um, like I say, I think we all have to realise he's not that same player that's going to go herring down the wing for 90 minutes at full pace all, all game long. So he'll make the right appearances at the right time. I think Jose was right probably not to start him um, this weekend, given the type of game we knew it would be. Um, but he'll definitely make enough appearances to possibly pick up a league winner's medal should we do that. So, uh, Matthew, I think Matthew's more concerned about having him fit for Wales well, this is it, come yeah. the Euros, this is it. isn't he? This is it. Let's be <laughs> but, uh, James, one unsung hero, I think, was Stephen Bergvine. Didn't get the same personal joy compared to his debut against Man City last season, but what did you make of his overall showing before being subbed off for Lucas? Yeah, re- really promising. I think he the, the most promising thing for me was that he looked like he worked his ass off, and and I think that that in playing in that role, um, I think that's something that's really important, and you really have to do. Um, Lucas Moura does it when when he plays in that role. That you know you kind of have to let Son and Kane do their do their thing, uh, and then you know maybe that other side winger is going to have to muck in and do a bit more defensive work, but. Um, but Lucas Moura is, is someone who never lets, kind of never lets us down in the effort stakes, and I think Bergwijn's got to do that when he fills in as well, um, chasing down balls and, and yeah, as I say, doing doing a lot of defensive work as well. Um, but I thought he did really well. Um, he's he's clearly a, a really really talented footballer, and I think that we all, we were all kind of a little bit panicked maybe towards the start of the season when we weren't seeing him at all. Um, not even on the bench, and and there, you know there were rumours weren't going around that he you know he, he had a bit of a weight issue going on, or uh, and personally I, I I kind of can't see that haven't seen the speed and the pace that that we were kind of promised towards towards the start when he when he first signed, so I, I personally was a little bit worried, but that that performance was was a lot better. Um, he he came back, I think he came back a bit injured from from international duty, but. He looks sort of shrugged that off, and, and he seems to be working really hard, which which I think is is really important. We want players who are going to be committed to the cause, and if they, you know, if if they do get told that they're maybe one or two pounds overweight, then they they can sh- they can shed that, and they can uh, they can get used to the physicality of the Premier League. You know, look at Ndombele, for, for instance. He looks like he's he's really worked on his physicality. So, uh, yeah, really promising, and I think Bergwijn's going to be a really important player for us. You know, he's he's still so young again, remember, and 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 he's. We're hoping that he's going to get in on the goals as well as uh, Sonny and Kane. Um, but a really, really good player and I'm glad he's wearing a Spurs shirt. 
Patrick, do you think there's now a batch of, say, 13, 14 names that are the genuine Premier League group? Obviously, you've got subs as well. And then the rest have to earn their stripes in the Europa League. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, the first name that comes to mind when you said that is Deli Ali. Obviously, one of our most talented and, and, and brightest performers over the last few years. But for him, for him to get into the Premier League squad, he'll have to earn his stripes in the Europa. And then, obviously, you've got the, the striker, Carl Vincius, and a few other guys that will have to do that. But there's nothing wrong with that at all. And it's great for the depth and it's great for us to really see what these guys are saying so that when they do step in, like Stevie did um, on Sunday, they're ready and, they're, you know, they're ready to go and they're ready to to give their all for the shirt and put in the performances that we need to to challenge or hopefully win something. Because as you can see with your likes of Liverpool's, your Man City's, you need more than just your 11, 12 and 13s to really do something. Absolutely. And of course, we've got Ludigretz on Thursday, but we'll be a bit ignorant and gloss over that because we haven't got time. So let's skip to Sunday and they'll call it Master versus Apprentice and all that nonsense. But in league terms, Carl, Lampard has schooled us. So that's a score we need to settle quite quickly. Yeah, definitely. You know, in the last two games last season, didn't we? I felt we kind of like really let ourselves down when it came to playing Chelsea because I think, I think you know, we, we should have really been able to put in a much better performances, um, especially at key times. But I think this game Sunday, again, as we say, is one of those games, isn't it, where I think this will really, again, this, this will be another one that will show us where we are because... We beat them in in you know in the cup, and I don't think any of us saw us winning that game given the sort of side that we put out. Um, we should have a str- much stronger side out this weekend, and if we can get a result in this game against Chelsea right now, away from home, then like I say, I do think you suddenly will see two results out of these tough runner games where you go, well, actually, yeah. This side is now got nothing to fear against anyone, and they can, you know, go home and away and get results at key times. So this, for me, is a real big crunch game, given everything that's gone on around this fixture, the two teams over the years. I think, you know, we've got a chance to really set a marker if we go and win this game at Stamford Bridge. But the one thing I do think we have to make sure we do is, worst case scenario, we come away from there with a point. Because then, you know, that is what you want to do. Win your home games against these big sides and at worst come away with a point. And if you do that, then that should set you in good stead because, you know, the the teams that are below you and the the teams that are not as good as you, you should then hope that you can go and do what you need to against them. That, like I say, does put you in a title shout come the end of the season. Well, I was going to ask you, James, for you, is it must win or do not lose? Uh, Great question. Um, I I think it's do not lose. Um, but I'd 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 like to see us put in a similar kind of performance to the Man City game, and if and if we are going to put in a performance as good as that, I think we've got the beating of them. Um, I think Man City have got better individuals in their in their team that we managed to keep at bay, um, but Chelsea are more likely to to be a, a more difficult unit. But do you know what? I'd 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 take a draw out of this one definitely. Um, I think I think Chelsea are gonna are gonna be a little bit more a little bit less naive as uh, than Man City were. I don't think I can't see them conceding a goal like our first goal um, this weekend. I think they'll have done their homework and they they won't be as as naive as City were coming to White Hart Lane. So uh, personally, yeah, I think uh, it's a do not lose. I think we we can we can take a draw out of this one uh, and and hold our heads up high. Patrick, in terms of personnel, obviously no Toby, but can you see many changes compared to last Saturday? No, I think it'll probably be the same setup. Maybe Lucas might start for Stevie, 
Um, and like you said, probably Rodon in for Dyer, or sorry, not Dyer, for Toby, the, injur- the injury. But other than that, I think it would be the exact same 11. Um, and yeah, like um, like James is saying, it's a do for me, it's a do not lose. Um, we go there to win, don't get me wrong. We know that we're more than capable, but we make sure that we come away with at least something. And then we just, you know, keep marching on from there. OK, I'll do the predictions in a minute. There's some off-pitch news to dissect first. So... Cole, Daniel Levy was saying that the club was set to lose £150 million this season if no fans enter the stadium doors. And then the club have reported a loss of £63.9 million when I think it was the same amount of profit the year before. So that's enough to make you wince. But in a world of COVID, what can you do? Yeah, I, I think, though, there's lots of clubs going to be expecting to probably do this, aren't they? And have their financial reports not looking as good as they were a year ago. Um, it, it's no surprise. I think as well, you know, you've got some outlay that's gone out there. Um, I do think it's interesting. So I think if you look at some of those, it shows Daniel Levy has only taken two million or something for for salary rather than seven million before. Oh, that's um, nice so yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not too bad, is it? You know, I, I, I'd get out of work. I'd get out of bed for some of that. You know? <laughs> Um, but yeah. yeah, I think we were all accepting that this year, you know, most clubs are not going to be putting out very good financial um, reports. I, I think it's very, it might be very clever from our side as well to put this out this early because, you know, when we're talking about fans going back in stadiums and, and the sort of financial implications of that, then a club coming out as big as us saying that, you know, look, we've lost this sort of money. Um, I think that also puts a little bit of pressure on authorities to maybe start thinking yeah we need to get some fans back in here because obviously you know we all know that you know football is heavily relied upon in the financial markets to bring money in so I do think there you know there is some clever maneuvering being done by here but for me I I think we'll be fine but I think we were expecting this but we do need to get those fans back in so that you know the club can start turning some form of profit again uh, and keep keep us going the way that we hope we can because as we've seen you know we've had some investment this season and look what it's done for us already so we want to see more of that so we definitely need to see the club making some more money. This is it James when you talk of Levy and trying to navigate these choppy financial waters, for all his prudence and how frustrating that is, there's arguably no better man to be in charge to help balance the books in this situation. Yeah, I guess it's, it's a bit of a backhanded compliment, but he's, a, he's the perfect chairman to have during a pandemic. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think if, if, uh, if we need someone to pinch the pennies and, uh, and you know, just steady the ship in what is a pretty turbulent time um, to, be a, to be a football chairman, I think he's the perfect guy. Um, you know, we've we've done some pretty shrewd business in, in the January transfer window, and we haven't January transfer in the summer transfer window, and uh, and I think you know we haven't exactly broke the bank there. So um, yeah, the, the absolute perfect perfect chairman to have in because I think a lot of clubs are gonna are gonna be in a little bit of trouble for for a good number of years to come after uh, after what's happened. Um, but I think Levy Levy's had a had a lid on it the whole time, and uh, and hopefully nothing's going to change for us in the long run because I think the teams around us are going to, are going to show a lot more uh, losses than we are. And even though we are going to obviously show a loss ourselves, I think we're, you know, we've got the right man in charge. We've got a man with a good business head who seems to have read the situation quite well. Uh, and we should, be, uh, we should be able to sail through the choppy waters. 
And Patrick, let's end on a good note because 2,000 fans will likely be welcome for the North London derby. It may be a small number in comparison, but boy, it will make such a difference. Oh, that will be immense. To, to, for that to be the first home game that some of our boys will get to go to, um, that's going to be fantastic. Um, yeah, so that's going to it's going to make a big difference. To be fair, I'm not fearing Arsenal, um, you know, coming to, to, to White Hart Lane. I believe we'll beat them with or without fans, but it definitely gives us a bigger advantage. Um, does anyone know? This is um, does anyone know if um, away fans will be able to come in no, as well? Or is not it just... allowed. Oh, OK. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's huge. That's um, yeah, that's even better then. Fantastic. Yep, 2,000 partisan voices, exactly what you want. <laughs> so, um, no, that's brilliant. let's brilliant. end with the predictions for Sunday. Patrick, I'll throw it back to you. Quick fire, what have you got for me uh, for Sunday? 2-2. Two, two, two. He's gone 2-2, two, two, a draw at the bridge. James, what about you? I'm going to go, uh, I did like 2-2, two, two, but I'm going to go I'm gonna go one all. Okay, Carl, what are you saying? I'm going to go a 1-0 win. Oh, okay. Ooh. I'll go a 2-1 win then. I think, you know, if we are going to sort of school Lampard, this is the time, so... Um, we'll come away with something. I think we can all agree on that. Whether it's three points or one point, we'll have to wait and see. And that is full time. So I just need to do the admin, which is as simple as thanking my three great guests this evening. First up, Patrick, thanks for your return to action and bring in that energy. Energy. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. You can check me out on Views TV Official. And my tagline is Patrick Tyron. But yeah, once again, it's, it's been brilliant. Thank you. No problem, mate. It's always a pleasure and hopefully you'll be back on soon. Thanks to James for patrolling the middle of the park this evening. Uh, always a pleasure, mate. Same again next week. Absolutely. And Carl, thank you ever so much for wearing the captain's armband tonight. No worries, Dan. Pleasure as always. I'm off to check the league table just to make sure that we're still <laughs> top. Uh, <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it next week. Lovely. And hopefully we'll be top by the time we do the next episode. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always... Come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.